This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything impacting your career. I'm Tom Hodson, your guest host, and in this episode, I'll be talking again with our very own Bev Jones. This is the third in a series of conversations where I seek advice from Bev as I put together my move into retirement. We talk about some of the emotional upheavals retirement can bring to some people and how to push through them. Okay, Bev, last time we talked, uh, I think it was, well, I know it was before my retirement, but I think it was before all of the COVID mess that we've been in. And we talked a little bit about retirement, but I had not experienced it. So um, I'm going to sort of ask you for a mini coaching lesson uh, (laughs) today, if you're willing to do that. And maybe some of our listeners can, can identify with some of the things I'm talking about. I would be delighted to do that. And as I recall, when we last uh, did an episode, which was the last time we really have had a chance to speak as friends, was conversation when you were thinking about what it would be like to create a sort of a portfolio of businesses and activities. And we talked about how it's good to have an idea where you're going before you decide whether or not to retire. You don't and that's and you were thinking about where you might go. Is that about how you remember it? Yep, that's that's about where we were. But then uh, things have changed. Yes, <laughs> yes, then. indeed. So, 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 let me try to frame where I am. Okay, great. And um, so I retired during the. Uh, really during the COVID shutdown, uh, especially at the university where where I was working full-time. Uh, and we had been out since March. Uh, my retirement day came up at the end of June, uh, end of uh, or beginning of July. And uh, according to state law in, in Ohio, I couldn't work at all for 60 days after that. So that's sort of a an ending period. Well, here we are in October, and um, we're still out. Um, and so I want to talk about retiring during the COVID pandemic. Yes. Because what I have found, and part of my difficulty is, um that I've had no sense of closure. Now, I hate that word. I think it's overused. I I think most people don't know what it means. But for me, what it means here is, yeah, I I wasn't expecting retirement parties and all of that garbage because that's just not my style. But I wanted some sense of closure on what I was doing 
so I could transition to what I was going to do. But there wasn't any closure. I didn't get to see any of my friends or my colleagues. I didn't get to to sit down with them and chat with them. And I didn't... uh, I wasn't able to build bridges that we would continue to communicate and how we would do that. And and so it just seemed, let me rephrase it, It I felt loss. I felt loss that I didn't think I would feel. And I'm still struggling with loss. You know, it's just like, Okay, your your life's work. Um, gee, it, it it's ended. Now go do something else. Well, I'm still grieving the loss that I had when my retirement date came up in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, I Tom, can I give you some quick feedback first, and also maybe uh, put some context for our, our listeners uh, first. Feeling a loss upon retirement, particularly, but also lots of other times that you might leave one job, um, is a it's a huge thing to um, adjust to, and it is perfectly normal at retirement, even if you're going off to do something wonderful, to feel a loss because. It's, it's not just uh, the routine of the work, it's the, the people and your goals and how it shaped your life and very much your identity. So it takes a while. And that's one of the reasons back when you and I started just chatting about this and I was encouraging you to think about lining up some activities, thinking about the arrangement. The, the loss is even more severe when people just you know, think they're going to just relax or party or something. And then after the first few days, the realization that there's nothing to get up for can be devastating. So, um, so it was, we talked a little bit about how setting up an alternative to retirement. Now for our, our readers, I'm going to explain a bit that uh, first you have left more than one career. You've been an attorney and a judge, and you've had some very big jobs, and you've also had other jobs at Ohio University. But what you have been doing in recent years is you've been um, leading and in some ways reimagining WOUB, which is the public media affiliate of Ohio University. So um, you are in a college town in Athens, Ohio, and because of the nature of the college town, your work at Ohio University is, isn't just a job, even more than in the case of many people, because it's a community. And it's like um, you've, uh, there's, I noticed uh, with people in, who retire from Ohio University and stay in town that they sometimes feel like they've been thrown out of the club. So that's that additional difficulty, I think, in a in a college town or a company town, when nobody uh, wants to know what you think, or at least that's how it feels to you. So um, then the the pandemic has has been so difficult for so many people, and I think we've all been feeling the grief that's 
in the environment that's that's or at least most of us have that's not even ours so it's hard to know if we're sad for ourselves or sad for the world um so that also is another reason i i think this is um difficult but before we get into to more about kind of how you take some next steps um can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing lately? I know you you took a trip to the beach sometime. Right, that was during this sabbatical that uh-huh. I was that was forced on me by yes. by state law, which okay. I wouldn't have probably done anyway. But it was it was fine. But you know, it was it, we've hunkered down here uh, because we're we're both of the age and 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 have difficulties so that getting COVID would be a, a big issue to us. So we hunkered down here and then we just went to the beach and hunkered down there. I mean, so it was a change of scenery, but it was the same pattern. What I thought I would do as a transition was that we would do some traveling. We'd go see some friends, uh, Jan, my wife, and I would come see you guys for a yes. while. We would go to Massachusetts and, and visit uh, my one-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. Uh, we have not been able to do that. So so not only did I have the loss from losing the job and all that went with that, but I had the loss that I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do that would have been satisfying that would then lead me to act two of of my professional life, or in my case, maybe act 14 uh-huh. of my professional life. So, so there wasn't that ability to have a pleasurable transition, uh, if, if I can state it that way. Some of the things I intended to do, I couldn't. And I felt lost from that as well. So it just exacerbated uh, that sense of loss. So maybe one of the things you do is you look at that feeling um, and you label it in a, uh, with a word maybe like mourning. Um, it is okay and natural after you lose something to have a period of mourning, but the mourning doesn't have to be all of your life. It's, it can be just one theme of your life. And so you acknowledge that you're going to make mourning makes you tired. Mourning makes it harder to be optimistic. Mourning makes um, you sometimes want to isolate yourself, but maybe just notice that theme in your life of mourning and now shift to what are the things you want to put in uh, to take the place not only of your job but some of the some of the recovery time for mourning um, and and maybe we might want to talk about uh, some of the things that you um, want to have in your life and including just sort of um, oh I don't know the way you promote your well-being, uh, like um, I know you're a great cook. Are you? Is is cooking and and nutrition and food is that part of it? Um, I know exercise is really important um, as part of uh, retirement, not just for physical exercise, but for staying sharp. So tell us a little bit about what you're putting in or what you're thinking about putting in now and as you move forward, and including to to maintain your well-being. 
Yeah, obviously exercise and, and uh, you know, I've lost some weight on purpose. And so that's been better. I feel healthier. Uh, and maybe I'm doing that to combat the threat of the virus. I don't know, but it, but it's working. It, it it's worked out well. Uh, for that, I I try to build in a regimen every day. I I play the piano. I'm learning more difficult pieces. Uh, I'm I'm trying to learn uh, some. Uh, some improvisation and how to go about doing that. So I'm learning things I'd never learned before, and I'm enjoying that. I, so I do that every day. I draw every day. I work on storytelling in some form every day. Um, I'm, I'm working on some developing some new curricula. I, I do that every day. But it, it, one of the articles you wrote, I think, just really snaps it right on the head for me. I have this voice in my head that says, all this stuff you're doing is second rate. It's not the real job. It's not the big job. All of these are hobbies that you're trying to make into a life, and they aren't as important. And I know you wrote about that as you were making transitions. Help me with that. Oh, yes. That that was a really important uh, sort of an aha passage for me. So um, I required, or required, I retired from my kind of my big, intense lawyer job when I was 52, which is quite young for retirement. So I never thought I was going to retire, but I thought I wanted to step away and create a more uh, rational um, enjoyable life with time for my friends and husband and gardening and things like that. So I um, elected to step away from my big job and then kind of gradually figure out what I do next. And I went through um, a period, and it was for me, it was quite a long period, I'd say more than a year, in which I f- was really a dilettante. Um, every time I, uh, I, I had some um, outside, I had some consulting and uh, s- some little projects that eventually turned into coaching, but I, I didn't take them with the seriousness that I took my big job because they didn't feel real to me. They just felt like, oh, it's like a toy job. Um, I am not beholden to anybody. It's just nobody thinks that I'm making a big contribution. So it took me a while until I finally realized that um, I'm the only person who could make a job feel real. I had to approach it with the intensity and the commitment and the grit that I would try to um, bring to my to my big job, to my various big jobs, and that by giving myself an out by not pushing myself by by saying you know I don't want to work too hard I um I was making myself miserable but as soon as I decided to um have some big goals and do some things that were kind of public so I would be embarrassed if I didn't succeed uh even though I didn't intend to do it full time that made a difference I I think part of um, the reason I started writing 
um, was that it, it's really vulnerable to write about some of these things. And so if you commit yourself to doing that, even if um, nobody's paying you or they're not paying you very much, it it's real. You have some skin in the game. And it's that realness, that commitment, that um, uh, jumping in, which is what took me a while to do. And that may be where part of what you're thinking about. Is that what caught you? Yeah, it's just like, okay, I'm biding my time. All these mm-hmm. things are pleasurable. They certainly aren't pleasurable. Uh, you know, maybe I can do something with them. Maybe I can't. But right now, they they feel good. But, you know, uh, I want to do more. I want to I, I want to create. I want to I want something that I can get up for every day. Now, one thing that has helped is a good friend of yours, uh, Judge Gail Williams Byers, uh, and I have put together a, a podcast series with Adam Rich, our producer, uh, on on race. Uh, she's a black woman judge for the listeners uh, in northeastern Ohio. Uh, she and I have judgeship in common. But we have really looked at our similarities and our differences and really looked at the issue of race in about a 10-part series. That has given me some pleasure and given me some, some purpose. But, you know, these the stories have a beginning, middle, and end, right? So what's next? Do I, do, do I just go on to another story? Do I, do I change around? I think you understand where where I am. I do, and I think you uh, used the right word when you started talking about purpose. That's how things are real. If they're driven by purpose, by a value, by a worthy goal. So um, one of the things you might want to do is is, um, do a little journaling around why you've been enjoying this um, series of conversations with Gail. I actually, she, uh, I've been in touch with her and we're talking about it with her too. I think it's really meaningful to her. Um, so you've, you've been working on something that I think is going to be a contribution to the general public dialogue. That's my view. But why don't you write down um, what has made this so worthwhile? And if you, when you write what it is, then that can go on the list of things you want in your life, the things you want to, the the attributes of the the time you want to spend, um, creating meaning and whatever it is. So just for now, to practice, why has it felt so purposeful to be doing that? It's been. I have a long, sort of a long answer to that. So let me try to break it down uh, without getting too political. Part of the sense of loss that I have felt is that everything that I have worked for in my life, from local journalism to politics to uh, civil rights, uh, both racial civil rights as well as uh, sexual orientation, civil rights, all of the things I have worked for, I am seeing and feeling are becoming dismantled. Or I'm feeling that 
you know, maybe I was delusional. Maybe we weren't at the same place racially as I thought we were. That was what prompted Gail and I to start talking with each other. And we started having these conversations with each other and thought, you know, maybe we ought to just broaden the palette a little bit. Maybe we ought to bring in some other people and have these serious conversations that, that nobody's having. But it, was, it came out of a sense of loss and a sense of trying to rebuild within something that I could control, trying to rebuild something that's been a lifelong, had lifelong meaning to me, and that is equality of people and equality of uh, being recognized by people. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash school. Part of the way people often bounce back from retirement or a job loss of another sort, uh, after kind of working through the morning or even while you're still in mourning, Part of how people um, bounce back is they get in touch with their uh, their real values and their their view of what the world needs from them in a um, a really kind of gut level way. That's the first step, and the second step is they summon their professional skill sets and their personal strengths to start making a contribution to that newly re-recognized goals. And that's what you've done here. You have, instead of just um, kind of throwing up your hands, like it's so tempting to do these days and saying the world is crazy. You know, I'm going to play the music and, and, and draw my cartoons and I'm just cutting off. You didn't do that. Instead, you you found where your discomfort was and you started looking for a creative way um, to um, kind of dig in and, and, and do something meaningful about the values that mattered. And you made another really smart move, which is that you immediately brought in another person and particularly a, an articulate, um, um, uh, uh, insightful friend who uh, shares your values. So that was huge. And and the two of you have different skill sets, but you started using them. That is a perfect response to um, the, the loss of retirement. And it's a very good beginning. And you did that with an intensity that would be at least um, as high as things that you were doing um, on the same date in 2019, right? 
Yeah, it was with the same intensity, and and, and yes, yes, it was. All right, so so there are going to be lots of other things, and they aren't all going to be um, uh, podcast series or videos or things like that. I know that's going to be a big part of your life, and it'll be probably as from our earlier talks. You're going to be doing that professionally, and um, and and not only um, as a volunteer, but uh, as a as a serious professional at some scale. That's the really that's a really important thing. But you might look at what other things you care about, um, and um, start giving yourself some goals. So you talked about losing weight and um, exercising and so forth. You're a pretty goal-driven guy, and you tend to um, respond intensely to deadlines and standards. And so um, have you thought about kind of writing or maybe doing a mind map? We talked about mind mapping um, last spring. Maybe doing a mind map of the things you want and then turning that into uh, like a series of goals for the next six months? I, I think that's a good place for for me to go now because what uh, I have two things that are really troubling me. One is that I have, even though I've had multiple careers over my uh, professional life, I, I've looked at them as linear. They all sort of followed one another in a in a logical sequence. Now I feel that I'm scattered. You know, I, I I have bits and pieces of what I could really make into a a nice next 10, 15 years. Uh, but I haven't coalesced them yet. The other thing that is in this mix, though, and I don't know whether other retirees feel this or or not, is I have a sense of urgency. Um, you know, I'm 72 years old. I probably have 10, 15 years. God knows maybe I have 20 or more left. But I am on the, the waning end of my time to get things done. And so as I'm sort of collecting myself and internally feel like I'm flailing, I feel like I'm wasting time and the sense of urgency takes over and then I get depressed. So let's go back to the uh, goal setting process and kind of it's, it's maybe a part of several processes that you might want to put in place. What you're describing again is something that, um, I've certainly felt, and I think it's um, it's common for people um, as they get older, at, even outside the context of um, their job, they want to give back. They want to make a difference. They want to create a legacy. They want to um, empower their families. People do have a sense of um, oh, a, a pressure to get things done, but that often translates into intense satisfaction that comes from achieving small goals. If, if the goals are important to you, 
it doesn't have to be something you do as a full-time job. If you decide this is a contribution I can make and it's a reasonable amount of time and energy and I'm going to do it because it's important to me, that will be very satisfying. Even though um, it's not a full-time job, it's going to be a full-time commitment for a, a project of some hours. And it's going to give you, I think, a disproportionate sense of satisfaction. So when you set up a series of objectives and, and, and you, you're working on um, different items in your portfolio, going from managing your own well-being to staying in touch with your friends, when, when you have objectives for each of those um, and you're driven by the sense of urgency, that urgency can translate into uh, a sense of achievement once you do something. But but you only get that sense of achievement if you've made it a goal and you've labeled it and you've noticed it. Okay, well, that 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 is helpful. Uh, I think I will circle back to to that and and put down some goals and actually, uh, I need to write things down and yeah. then. Uh, take them out and look at them periodically and revise <laughs> revise them and 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 look at them a little differently and have some structure yeah i i, I have been looking uh how i want to phrase this i've been looking at all of this from the bottom of the glass you know how you you, you pick up a glass, a, a drinking glass, and you look through the bottom of it. Everything looks distorted a, a little bit. You look through the top, and everything looks clear. You know, I, I've been looking through the, the, the bottom of the glass a, a bit much. Uh, you sent me an article, and I didn't get a chance to read it in the depth that I wanted, but it was it's talking about blue zones and having a blueprint. Can, can you relate that to what we've been talking about? Yeah, and we have um, mentioned the Blue Zone series of books by Dan Butner um, before on Jazzed About Work. Basically, the Blue Zone isn't blueprint affiliated, but that makes perfect sense. I, as I um, uh, recalled the the books. It it started with a study of why is it that there's some communities around the world where people not only live to be a hundred or even more, but they live a fulfilling life right up until the very end. And what this big study was trying to do is find areas on a world map about where there were communities of people who had very, very healthy aging. And apparently they circled them on the map in blue. And so that's how they became blue zones. That, that was some years ago. There've been a whole series of books. I think they're really good. But what the researchers have done is identify the common themes in these very different communities from all over the world, from Latin America to Asia to California, um, what are some of the things that seem to be created with an enjoyable, healthy, um, older life? And uh, certainly um, one of them was uh, a sense of purpose. But um, the other kinds of things, uh, we've touched on a couple. One is exercise. Um, one is um, being connected to your family which is something that I know matters to you. Uh, and a really important part is that you are connected to communities. That, that's something that you and I have 
talked about too that it's not yeah enough to have hobbies that you like and a few close friends there's something extremely important about um uh being connected to a bunch of communities. And I, I'm going to share an observation I'm, that flashed through my head when you were talking about how your jobs have been kind of linear. You worked for a while and then maybe you switched careers or switched jobs and you did something quite different. Well, for me, um, as a friend watching your career, I'll say it never looked in any way linear because you never <laughs> stopped your professional um gravitas uh, when you move from one field to another. And so to me, you've always been a lawyer since you got out of law school and um, and became distinguished in your field. I still kind of think of you as a judge when I have questions. You've always loved radio. You used to do, um, as, a, as a side gig, even when you were a judge, you used to do um, high school football um, High school, college, football, and basketball, yeah. So all of those things have been part of you. The Your professional life has been much broader than the source of your paycheck. And, and I think one thing that happens when people are retired is that um, – because you you don't have that parental figure, that entity that's paying your salary. Now, the fact of the matter is, I know you well enough to know that you have a financially secure retirement. So that's it's not the issue right. of the money. It's the issue of you don't have a business card. You don't have an identity that comes with an organization. And that's where your communities matter so much. And there's this confusion because your social community and your geographic community is also your former employer. But there's also some strengths. Uh, one thing that I think you that we all need to think about when we um, aren't uh, we don't have a work team and a work family is that we are attached to. Uh, maybe a variety of communities where people can see our strengths and may call upon us uh, for activities and support. And that kind of um, active connection to communities is one of the things that the Blue Zone research has has suggested is super important. Well, Bev, uh, you've helped me again. I always seem to make myself vulnerable to you and on your show. I never do it any other time. So uh, I, thank you for for at least giving me some direction. I, I feel better than when we started. When we started, I was, I was pretty um, depressed about all this, to be quite honest. Uh, and and I, I love the way you talk about going to a period of mourning. And that's what I'm doing. Um, and with going through a period of mourning with the specter that I will no longer be useful you know, or purposeful. And, and what I have to do is take control of that and make myself useful and purposeful. It doesn't have to be huge dramatic acts, but one by one, you're going to do some things um, that um, help other people and uh, add value and give you a sense of satisfaction. And I am absolutely confident you're going to put together 
um, a collection of meaningful activities. And um, a year from now, I'm going to be trying to get you to do something for a podcast or something or to pay a visit to Virginia. <laughs> and you're going to say, well, I'm just so busy. It's, it's going to happen. And you're going through a, a difficult transition that happens to overlap with a horrible worldwide pandemic. But uh, I'm confident that you're going to put together a really interesting next phase. Well, it's fun sitting in your host chair and and being able to ask you questions and tapping into your expertise as as always. So thank you so and much. And thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability and your, gosh, about 50 years of friendship. There you go. <laughs> Today, we've been talking with Bev Jones about things to think about as you enter retirement some of the emotional ups and downs a person faces. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your guest host, Tom Hodson. Today's career tip is that your life will be more rewarding if you have a purpose or a set of values that makes you eager to get up in the morning. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll come back soon.